Welcome to Junior L's and Now What? Podcast Episode 1. I am your host, Junior L. The purpose of this podcast is to allow me to share with you some thoughts and feelings and experiences that have transpired in my life that have taught me things and hopefully made me a better person. In turn, I'm hoping to give you that same opportunity, and if nothing else, bring a smile to your face. For this first podcast, we are going to focus on a story we all know and maybe love uh, about Jack and Jill, how they climbed the hill and fell and were both injured along the way. What we don't really talk about from this story is what happened after they fell down the hill, what happened to their injuries, what happened to their relationships. So let's first look at what happened during that first week after they fell down the hill. One of the biggest things that became very apparent is that Jack and Jill kept asking the other one to help them, help them do things they were struggling to do because of their injuries, help them with their injuries. Outside of that, that first week beyond recovering seemed pretty normal. After that first week, a month or so passed. During that month, they began to talk less and less to each other. They stopped asking for things they could do to help the other, and in turn asked more and more for what the other one could do for them. They began to keep mental lists about the other person. About six months later, they weren't even sleeping in the same bed as each other, or at least would find excuses for one to sleep on the couch or in another room. When they were supposed to normally be together, they would find excuses to do other things. They weren't really saying kind things to each other, and they weren't really asking for help from the other person anymore. It was very apparent that they were drifting apart. The point of this will become perfectly clear, I hope. I have two other illustrations, however, from my own personal life that relate to this. The first illustration comes when I was very young. I was probably six or seven, and my mother and I were backing out of our driveway. I was obviously not driving, and my mom sees some kind of motion in one of the mirrors and slams on her brakes, and then exclaims because two small children who lived across the street had been behind the car. Now, this is back in the mid-80s, so there was no review cameras, no radar, no easy way to tell what was behind you. And my mom became very um, flustered because of the incident. Now, the kids ran across the street. No one was injured. And I remember turning to my mom and saying, my goodness, mom, I am so very glad we didn't hit them. Because if we had, the back of the car would have been very dirty. Yes, I know. That was my reaction. My mom gave me this look and said, well, yes, there's that, but even worse, they could have been injured or killed. Okay, so this is scenario one. This actually did happen. The second one was far more recent. Within the last two years, I went in for a series of neurological testing to find out if I had any type of conditions from bipolar to schizophrenia, being on the spectrum, anxiety, depression, you name it. And in the course of these tests, they compiled all the results to give us a uh, results session. They pulled myself in, my wife, and my parents came for this reveal. And it was very educational. I highly encourage anyone to do it if you haven't had this opportunity. During this reveal, the psychologists shared something personal about their lives. And that was that they had a child or more than one child that was struggling 
with neurological difficulties themselves. And one of the things that she experienced when her first child was diagnosed with this unique challenge was mourning. She had a vision of what she expected the future of this child could look like. After the diagnosis, she had to come to terms with the fact that that future was either impossible or extremely improbable. In my own life, I have multiple children as well, all of which have some type of psychological, emotional, or neurological challenge of their own. My youngest one was diagnosed with autism, being a high functioning on the spectrum a handful of years ago. And when this psychologist that we were meeting with for my own personal diagnosis was having this discussion with us, my wife began to tear up. She shared with this psychologist that she went through a very similar mourning period after our youngest was diagnosed. And both of them commiserated and were very empathetic towards each other. And there was a certain amount of weeping going on. I believe my mom might have even joined in in the crying a little bit. And I remember looking at both of them going, what is wrong with you guys? I didn't experience any of that. And to me, it was nothing more than, okay, I now have provided information. What's my next step? Now, I bring all of this up, these three scenarios, one of them fictitious and two of them factual, to illustrate the point. Perspective. All three of these stories share in common perspective. Perspective of the individual, perspective of the individual's perspective of someone else's perspective, if that makes sense, and how we feel another person should react because of how we believe their perspective should be. So, why do I care? What is so important about perspective? So let's talk about the original story, Jack and Jill. What about this is of interest to us? What can it teach us? Jack and Jill were beginning to drift apart after this incident on the hill. But what caused them to drift apart? Was it the injuries themselves? Well, perhaps it didn't help. I know that through some injuries of mine, I become a bit cranky when I'm in pain. But I don't think that had to do with it. What it really boiled down to was what they saw or didn't see. And in turn, what they blamed the other person for, whether intentionally or otherwise. Jill believed that Jack had seen what caused her fall and had not said anything, not out of malice necessarily, but he just simply hadn't mentioned it. And same is true the other way around. There was an assumption on both of their parts that because they saw it, the other one must have as well. And through that assumption, not only were they both injured, but now they were upset with the other person for not sharing information with them. This is perspective, and to some lesser extent, I suppose, communication. As it relates to my other two stories, my perspective of things was extremely different from those around me. So much so that one might have wondered about my sanity, especially when it comes to that first incident as a child. One of the things that my wife and I have struggled with in our relationship is my reaction, or lack thereof, to when our youngest was diagnosed. 
I'm sure that she felt that because she was going through this mourning period, I must have been going through it as well. In addition to that, she would have assumed that I was hiding my feelings, my emotions. I was burying them deep down inside. And as such, it was creating a rift between us. The truth is, I care for my son deeply. I love him immensely. And my wife, too. I just wasn't experiencing those same feelings. There was nothing to share. I know a number of people who have had deaths in their families, and it just caused a rift between the husband and the wife because one of them feels that the other one is hiding their emotions. Why won't you share with me what you're going through? But like myself, perhaps they're not really going through anything, or at least not the same things. And therefore, there is nothing to share. There is no similarities or very little similarities. It's very important for us to recognize that everyone's perspective is different. And therefore, our expectations of them and their perspectives needs to change. Because if it does not, we're going to always expect things from other people that they will never fulfill. And it will create problems. Let's look at something completely unrelated to the human interaction, and let's discuss the moon for the moment. This giant spherical object that is called Luna that sits above Earth. It orbits around us, and its mass, as it relates to the Earth, is the largest of its kind in our solar system. It is amazing. What a lot of people may or may not know is the type of impact our moon has on the Earth. The relationship between these two masses, as is true with any two masses or multitude of masses in the solar system, is called the barycenter, which is the location at which two masses orbit each other. One would assume that between the moon and the Earth, that the center is the core of the Earth, because we're obviously the center of this relationship. The truth is, the core of the Earth is not the center or the very center between the moon and the Earth. It is actually slightly off the core of the Earth, which causes a series of events to take place that affect our Earth directly. One of those events is the wobble. Our Earth isn't spinning on its axis in a perfect way. It is actually wobbling back and forth to some extent on a macro scale but because of the way the Earth is designed and functions, we don't really feel it. But there is plenty of scientific evidence that it exists. Additionally, the moon is actually slowly drifting away from the Earth. It is drifting away at less than two inches every year, approximately an inch and a half, I believe. There is also a very slow change to the Earth's spin on its axis. The spin is actually slowing down. It's less than a nanosecond a year, but it is increasing the length of our days. This is important to our discussion about perspective because most, if not all of us, at one time in our lives have felt neutral or ambivalent towards something. I have decided that I am not picking a side especially when it comes to things like politics, I'm going to remain unchanging. I bring up this moon because no matter how hard we want to believe that we can remain unchanged, 
The truth is, we're always changing. We are always moving a little bit in one direction or another. It is also very important for us to recognize that in a lot of times, we want the world around us to change for us. Why can't other people see things the way I do? I know personally this has been a challenge because I have children with unique challenges in their lives. We have to treat them differently, each one of them different from the other, and differently than a person who would be, shall we call them, neurotypical? And so when we're out in public, people will often look at us differently, and they'll wonder to themselves, why are they letting that child with that play with that iPad so much? Or why are they making this child who seems far too large to sit in a cart, sit in the cart? I would make them walk. There's a certain judgment that goes on there. But it's perspective on our part. We want people to understand what we are going through, and we get upset when they do not. Well, this is a community perspective event going on, where we want them to see things the way we do, and we also perceive that they don't understand and are oftentimes passing judgment. Well, both situations very well might be wrong. So what do we do about this? What do we do to make this situation better? How do we rectify it when we're upset with another person because they didn't see things the way we do? Well, in the case of Jack and Jill, this would have been a simple matter of as they're discussing what transpired with themselves on the hill to realize that just because one person saw something the other person may not have. So we need to be more open about what we see. I know that I am a terrible communicator on the phone. And so if I have a conversation with somebody and later I am asked to summarize that conversation, I promise you, I asked all the wrong questions and I remembered all the wrong things because I didn't perceive the conversation through the eyes of the person who would ask me about it later spectacular anime out there. For those of you who don't know what an anime is, it is Japanese cartoons. Some of them are designed for children or younger audiences, some of them for adults. This particular anime called Your Lion April was designed a little bit more for the adult audience. It is very emotionally powerful, very musically geared, especially with classical music. One of the things that makes this anime a great illustration of this point of perspective is the main character. He went through a tragic event when he was younger and it had a massive impact on his life. Not only did it create some psychological changes that were, I might say, negative, but it also changed his perspective of the world around him. He was living in a part of Japan that was beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. The plants, the, the, the architecture. Yet, when you looked at the world through his eyes, it was kind of dank, dark, gray, lacking in color. In the story, he meets a girl. And this girl's view of the world was completely different than his. She looked at the world in a way that was so vibrant, it was almost painful. And her relationship with him, as you might expect, 
began to change his perspective. As we discussed with the moon analogy, we are always changing. But it's important for us to understand that some changes that happen around us we cannot control, that our perspective, that is ours. That is ours alone. In fact, it is so uniquely ours that I would argue it is impossible to completely share your perspective with someone else because your perspective transcends just what you see or just what you hear. It encompasses all the experiences of your life, everything you've thought, everything you've felt, everything you've heard, everything you've seen. And so it will always be your own. You own it unequivocally and no one else can have it, at least not all of it, no matter how hard you try to share. So that's one of the things that makes this anime so amazing is that this boy's perspective began to change. And if you have the opportunity to watch this, and I encourage you to, you will notice that this girl's life wasn't necessarily easy either. And her perspective was, if not by choice, perhaps intentionally forced on her part. That vibrancy that she saw is something that we can all experience. One of my personal quotes, one that I can attest to an experience that I had last year goes like this. What if the only way to achieve your maximum potential is to help everyone else achieve theirs? No matter what you want to believe about other people, no matter what you want them to see or to understand, their perspective is theirs alone. What we can do is we can change ours, not for the sake of becoming a different person than we were before, but knowing that because we are constantly changing, that it is up to us to choose how we change and in turn, how we perceive things. If two people walk into a room and they see the same things, their perspectives will still make it so that when they come out of that room, they will relay different things. One may notice the light fixtures. One may notice the windows. I know that I share something in similarity with Jeff Foxworthy. When I walk into a house and I'm looking to buy, my first instinct is, how beautiful is this? My first instinct is, my goodness, a person could break in there very easily. I don't feel safe in this house. I think we need to move on. Whereas my wife may walk into a house and say, I think I could put some fantastic art on this particular wall. Oh, our furniture would fit in this room perfectly. I think I have enough space in this kitchen. Is one perspective right or wrong? No, they are our perspectives. That doesn't make them right or wrong. However, I can choose to begin to understand my wife's perspective more so that I can try to see things from her perspective as well as my own. And therefore, it'll be easier to communicate with her and to share with her. So that brings us to the final point of this podcast. And now what? We started out with this idea that we have two people who went through a tragic event and began to drift apart. They were drifting apart because they didn't understand that the other person's perspective was different than their own. Yet, that other person and themselves believed that the other person's perspectives must be the same. 
We continued on with the understanding that perspective is unique and it is our own, but it is constantly changing as are we. And the best way to use those is to help everyone else. So I encourage you and myself to step out into the world and realize that when that person cuts you off on the freeway, or when that person looks at you in that way, that you're pretty darn positive they're judging you because you've done something right or wrong. Realize their perspective is their own. Your perspective is yours, and you can choose to say, that person just cut me off, and I wonder, were they just having a really rotten day before they did? No harm, no foul. Smile, maybe say a prayer on their behalf, and move on. Or maybe there's a person who's looking at you going, gosh, that person is allowing their child to play on the iPad way too much. But you know what? They didn't say that. We're assuming they're thinking that. So instead, we should take a deep breath and realize they don't have my life. They don't know what I am going through. And I hope they may never have to because my life is hard. And I hope their life is better. So smile. And through that smile, encourage them to smile too. This life is for us to have joy. And if we can understand through perspective that our little reality that we live in, our little perspective is part of a grand perspective and reality. You know the old question, if a tree falls in the woods and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? And I want to end on a note. If a tree falls on a mime in the woods and no one is around to see it, does anyone care? Have a wonderful week, everyone.